Vince Sierra. In this episode, I sit down with a lifelong friend and we talk about everything from family to leadership to his incredible wife and beautiful children, how to grow, how to challenge yourself, how to remain humble. Vince is one of those people that you can sit down with, get deep with, have a heart to heart with, laugh with. And in this episode, we did it all. So I hope you enjoy and learn from this man as much as I did. What was that? Pickled peckers? Pickled peckers. <laughs> Don't say that. that. Now that's in the record. Justin, <laughs> previous to this conversation, we were not talking about... Pickled peckers. Pickled peckers. Um, I said, I said, and Justin knows this. I said, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. And then your wife started the conversation with uh, pickled peppers. Pickled peckers. So, um, so, anyways, yeah, he knows. Justin knows this. When I mic check, I go, Peter Piper picked a pick of pickled peppers. Well, and then I had to take it to some weird. Place. Well, you just couldn't say it right. So, <laughs> what it, your right. your mind went to pickled peckers. So, oh my god, I have tears. This is and this is how this conversation is beginning. Um, I love it. So, Vince Sierra, what is your full name? Vicente Ramon Sierra, or you know, Vince Sierra. Yeah, I love it. it. Yeah. I love it so much. And my middle name, I just want to, I just want for, for street cred, Raymond Ramon, mm-hmm. right? Ramon. Um, is also LeBron James's middle name. So I just wanted to. Is uh, it really? It is. I actually did not know that. I just, for just you guys wondering. So I, I, I have something in common with LeBron James and it makes me happy. That's pretty. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> and also, what is. Your... I'm going to give you one more that you didn't know. So John Wayne's name isn't John Wayne. Okay. I didn't know this. What is it? It's Raymond. No, it's not Raymond. It's like, (laughs) I don't know. It's something really, really not John Wayne though. Not. Anyways, it's Italian. I forgot his name. I was, now I'm going to have to look it up mid podcast while you're on a thought and I'm going to, I'm going to say it. And that's fine. But anyways, I feel like neither one of us are going to be able to move on. Just look it up, please. You want me to look it up right now? Yes, I do need you to look it up. All right, guys. John Wayne's real name. Here we go. I feel like I need a uh, drum roll for this. Okay, um, I'm gonna drum it. This is, I'm air drumming because this is really, really important to our conversation today. Because um, I don't know why, but it is Marion Robert Morrison. Okay, he sounds like a serial killer. He- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, first of all, Marion. Marion. No wonder why That's, he had to change his name. Yes, no yeah. one would respect him, and then he went into those that those roles, right? And then just to be. Hollywood ready, John Wayne. Could you imagine like with him with the Marion, Marion, we need you. All right, boys. It just wouldn't work out. Marion. Yeah, I knew it was something really weird like that. Anyways, things you didn't know. I love that. So, okay. And then obviously Ramon, because to me, you're white, but you're not all the way white. I'm not. So tell me what you, all that. I mean, I am white complex until the summer hits and then I get some uh, You get tone. a nice tan. I get a, I get a little tan going. Um, So I am a Native American. My grandparents, both my grandparents on my mom, on my mom's side um, is Blackfoot. And then my dad's side is Yaki Indian. So there's a cross breed there. Um, my family on my dad's side is like from straight up from like Arvin Lamont area. That's where they like migrated to um and then my my dad's mom came out of the dust bowl so um came out of the okies 
thing, which is also a derogatory ter- term, by the way. If you didn't, Okies, did you know that? I did know yeah. that. Okay. And I don't know where I learned that, but I think it's just because you grow up jokingly mm. saying it. Right, right. And then I got probably corrected one day when I was <laughs> like, like embarrassed. Oh, no. Um, yeah. So my my parents were literally or my my dad's parents were literally Okies. They migrated out of, you know, from Oklahoma. I think originally Irish, which is crazy. So that's my dad's mom. Um, and then she had some Native American too. So she was kind of like a crossbreed, which I think we all are now. And then my mom's dad, um, like I said, my mom, my mom's mom was 100% lived on a base, uh, like a, 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 a base, um, lived on a reservation. Mm-hmm. And uh, she married my grandpa who was uh, French. So um, just create, just like lots of different blood flowing through these veins. Mm-hmm. I know, that's so wild. So tell me, a little bit of, were you here born in Kern County? I was born. Okay. You're going to love this story because you like wild stories. Mm-hmm. My parents were traveling and I ended up being born in Exeter, California, Okay, which if in California, California is really, really big for you guys that are listening. I don't know where all your audience is from, but um, the state is vast. So you can, from, you can be in these different cities really, really fast because they're kind of all on top of each other. And Exeter is like uh, kind of like a farming town between Tulare and Fresno. So it's like kind of, did you know this, by the way, Exeter? Yeah, most people wouldn't know where this place was. Um, and my mom was just on the way to visit my grandpa. And they're like, oh, we're g-, my mom's like, we're going to have the baby. Oh, geez. And uh, so they stopped in this random, I, I don't know if it's, I <laughs> I hate to say, I don't go to Exeter very much and visit um, the hospital I was born in. Um, but yeah, so she ended up having me there on the road. road. And this is my life, by the way. Yeah. Like, it's like, you makes so much sense. Yeah. You couldn't have planned like, Oh, my, my mom's pregnancy didn't go exactly how it was going to be planned. (laughs) It was like, Oh yeah, she had to just pull over and be like, well, I'm having the baby right here. So I couldn't imagine, um, what that was like, but yeah, um, from originally from this area, Bakersfield area, and then, um, lived in Ventura for almost 10 years. And then back, as they say, Mm -hmm. the it, you gravitate back. It brings oh, you back. I know. And so tell me about your family. Your, well, I, I guess you could tell me about your whole life family. But oh, no. Just I'll tell your, you about my media family. Yes. Yeah, I feel like I'm going really into my deep. Uh, I feel like you're making me make a family tree right now. I wasn't uh-huh. ready for it. Um, So my beautiful wife, Hannah, mm-hmm. Sierra, um, she's a gym. We've, only, we've almost been married for 20 years, mm-hmm. which is insane. Um, In a good way. Insane in a good way. <laughs> Not insane. If no, I like, know. Insane. If you know Hannah... She's just oh man uh, like, oh I know there she's just the best yeah I mean the best is an understatement even what we're talking about today she exhibits so many of those qual I mean well things that I've that I've been able to do with my life and be able to grow as a person um, you know I 100% attribute to who she is and um, the person she's been in my life and being able to see her consistency and what she's done but anyway we'll talk more about that later um, so and then she's um, we've had four beautiful children. She's birthed four beautiful children. Um, I have almost a 16 year old. I say almost cause he literally will be 16 in August. So I'm just, he's today. I'm like, make sure you finish your driving school. So that feels weird. Right. Yeah. Huntington Kendall, my 13 year old who feels like a 20 year old. Uh, and then I have Jude who is by the way, a baller. He got his first set of LeBron James shoes. How um, cute. And he's just, oh, he's balling out right now. So he, he's, he's actually into fashion, huh? No, not you fashion, know but like I feel like every time I see him, he's so dressed up. Like he just like he does like to be dressed up. Yes. which is you're right. You know that is correct. He like more than like my other. Well, and not, not a bad more, way. Not he more just than likes... Kendall, but more than Huntington. But he likes to look fresh for yes. sure. He got 
yeah. Anyways, but so he got his new LeBron jersey. He's so stoked. He went to basketball practice today. Hannah's like, and I, I got him a Laker hat. Oh my gosh. Uh, and he he could not not wear the Laker hat to practice today. I'm like, is, is he okay? Like, because how do you play basketball in a hat? It's kind of, you know, vision wise, but <laughs> he just really wanted to wear his Laker hat. And then I have um, Lila, who is our youngest and she's six. And so across the board, like I have this wide gamut of family life where, you know, where I'm dealing with a 16 year old and then I'm dealing with a six year old. And, um, and that is a whole experience in itself. I bet. And they're such good kids. They're so respectful, witty trolls. They're, they're so, they get that from you for sure. They get their, yes, they get their <laughs> sense of humor probably for me. I, uh, I, you know, I encourage them to have a lot of fun. And one, one of the cool things of just, you know, I always say like Huntington was my, you know, when you have your first kid, it's, it's, it's an experience, right? And you're like, oh man, I don't want to mess this up. And you start learning what it's like. And they're all different, right? The, even the word, the Bible says like every kid has, has a bend and a boat and like the way that we raise them will be completely different. So every kid, you have to be different with them, which is something you had, I had to learn as a parent. And so did Hannah. Um, Hannah more naturally got that than I did, but to be able to kind of just have Huntington and be like, I don't know what I'm doing to having now Lila and being like, I still don't know what I'm doing, but it's controlled chaos. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I joke when I say we don't know what we're doing, but it, it's just been, pretty awesome. Parents. It's just been such a cool blend to have though that set and to be able to learn with them and let them know like, Hey, we're people too. We're not perfect. We won't get it right. But be able to come back and say, we messed up on this but we'll get it right next time. And it's so fun. It's just so much fun. All the good and the bad. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but thank you. Yeah, they are, they are amazing kids and I love spending time with them every time. I, Huntington just, um, made Valley That's so cool. for swim. And so he was, a, you know, his sophomore year and, uh, he just finished his Valley meet. So, so much fun. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. It's just, it's funny because I, I feel like I started to really get to know you when he was about two. When Huntington was about that's two. So, so crazy. that's been, I mean, over 14 years and I knew you before then. Right. But it's just so wild to think about how little he was. And then to see over the years, you guys kept having babies. And <laughs> <laughs> we had two in Bakersfield and then we had two in Ventura, which mm -hmm. for a lot of people, they didn't see us in Ventura. Mm -hmm. So we came back home with two more kids and like, wait, who are these people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. And so you lived in Ventura for how long now? Like almost 10 years. That That's crazy to me. It went fast. It, it went so fast. Yeah. It, I don't know. It was just such a, it didn't, it, I don't know. How did that happen? Time just, I don't know, a blip. <laughs> yeah, I think we just, I think, you know, as you're just busy and you're doing your thing, I think you were going, uh, finishing a lot of your school during that time. We're not yeah. finishing, but maybe deep into it. Um, yeah, just time paces. I, it's funny because your parents would, used to tell you, you know, just blink the next day and it's, you know, you're going to be old and, or whatever, you know, you're going to blink and your kid's going to be 16 driving and you're like, uh-huh, okay. And then here I am, you know, my kid's about to drive. So yeah, time, uh, Oh man, we're getting a conversation about time later, but yeah. just the, just the vastness of like being able to enjoy just every little moment is so important. And I, and that's one of the things I'm continuing to learn too, is, you know, to make sure that you take as much time as possible to the things that are actually really important. Yeah. So. I know that I just love, I just, I don't know. I just love your family that you guys are just so sweet. And, um, like anyways, Hannah, like 
she's we're going to go into a little bit about your guys's role and, you know, kind of how we've gosh, I met you through Valley Bible. Yeah, um, it's been I was very young. Um, this has been over. I feel like I was around 21, 22, but I knew you before then. I feel like actually you and Josh Vietti were my youth leaders. Um, that's wild. Yeah. And Josh that, is older than me, by the way. I just want to throw that out. Throw there. that out. There. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. an important. That's an important part. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then what's crazy is Justin um, knew you guys so well. I never knew who Justin was. And then mm -hmm. it just it's just I you ended up hiring me on a, as a staff. Yeah. And it was just it just ended up being something that was changed my life forever. Yeah. Um, I think changed for both of our lives, which is good. Yeah. It was so awesome. I, yeah. So I, I remember first meeting you in college group. Uh, you weren't dating Justin. And uh, I, I just <laughs> no. remember just like, I was just like, oh yeah, man, like this little East Sider, um, I, I actually said in a video I, we created for you. Um, congratulations, by the way, on your grant. That's, Thank that's you so amazing. So much. Um, oh, yeah, people, we won a grant. I'll do. I feel like I need to do a podcast. All on that. about the grant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, the oh, the grant. Anyways, the grant. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, it, just real quick before we move on, I feel like you have to address the grant because okay, like, yeah, I know what the heck. Um, yeah, you guys got a grant um, from a foundation. We made. Uh, Another reason I'm talking about the videos because in this video we interviewed all of our friends. Um, and it was a prerequisite for you to get this grant. And the grant was for, I'll go ahead and let you spill oh, it out. Yes, for us to start our family to yeah. do IVF. It's a grant for $30,000 um, from Amelia Malloy's foundation. And Vince Amazing. shot the whole thing. I Just so you know the type of Vince guy Vince is, uh, we just expect, I, I don't know, I knew you were going to go all out, but he went all out. Like... Well, that's what I do. You brought a whole. <laughs> I brought. I was a little solo by myself, but yeah, it, it, was wore, so it all worked sweet. out. It yeah. was so cool. It was it's such incredible. a god thing because yeah. it just the perfect timing and everything. So, anyways, in this video, you didn't get to see this because uh, I had to make a lot of cuts because this thing had to be. I had. I still have like hours of footage of just all of our friends talking about just meeting you guys and all of this. But in that video, I said the first time I met Liz, I I was like kind of confused because you were like East Sider chola looking and we're <laughs> yeah. still like early 2000s so there's some style there right in that and then um but then you were like spunky and like talked like you like were a valley prep girl so i was like huh i was like <laughs> like so confused but i knew that you were like really passionate about whatever you were doing and really sincere which was important and you were always sincere and that was one of the things that stuck out to me is just you know um how sincere and then how much you just really um just love people um, even with wherever you're at in life, I know that in that time you were still growing and learning and becoming who you are today. And you're, you know, but, um, but you were still so loving and kind and, um, yeah. So all of that. So that, that was my first impression of you. And of course, um, the rest was history. I honestly don't know. You probably have a better memory of just when I was like, Hey, so do you want a job? <laughs> That's pretty much how it happened. What's funny is that your assistant at the time, she ended up one day I was walking by. Um, there's a building at our church called Station 316 where all the youth stuff happens. Yeah. And I was going to this other Bible study with this whole group of girls. I was about I was very young and I had been going that for a, a couple of years. Um, and then I was I met your assistant at the time. Her name was Adriana. Yeah. And I was walking by um, station one day and she's like, Liz, 
there were no, I don't know what happened today. No leaders showed up. I just need somebody to come in here. So I ended up starting to help out just as a volunteer. And then I fell in love with you guys and just the craziness of what high school ministry at the time was. That was honestly my favorite job ever. I felt we had so much fun. We did. Um, And it was complete chaos and so much fun with the kids. And I, and I ended up, I mean, I work with high schoolers to this day. It was the start of what I knew I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, just working with young adults. And, um, so anyways, I, yeah, I was volunteering and one day you were just like, Hey, uh, there's 20 hours. Do you want a job? And I'm like, sure. I hate working in retail. I, and so, and I just, you know, know what's crazy about that is, and you, and it's hard to explain this now I'm in my forties to have so much passionate passion for junior high and high school students. Like it was, and it was sincere. Like none of us had jobs. Like in that time, you would have never said like, oh, we have jobs. Like we would have just said like, this is the most important thing to us, you know? And um, I mean, it just, when you got, when you have people that are just dedicated and you know, they're called to just be there for those students. And it's like, it's just a really cool time. And I think that's what we had at that time. That's why it was so fun. Like, you know, going back, you're like, who would want to hang out? To this day, I tell people I would not you couldn't pay me to go to a high school camp. There <laughs> yeah. is no yeah. way. But when we would go, we would have the most fun. And I was, I would look forward to going. It was so much, but now I'm like, who in the world would want to, you know, like, I feel the want? same way about that. Those yeah, yeah. camps. Cause they were so exhausting, but oh. it brought out a side of us. That was like, you played the games, you stayed yeah, yeah. up all night, you all night. did the pranks yeah. and you laughed uh-huh. you, the kids cried. You got mad at each other. It was just, yeah. the. it was just so much fun, but that's how we ended up. I don't know. It, it just felt like, you, like you've always been in my life. It's just in yeah. at least my adult life. Yeah. You were, you've just always been there. And yeah. you, like, you and Hannah were pretty newly married when I first, you guys had a Bible study way up there on the East side. Yeah. We've always been Eastsiders. Mm-hmm. If we're in Bakersfield, we're Eastsiders. Yes. Uh, I shouldn't say that. We did move to Rosedale for a stint. But yeah, um, if we can if we can be on the east side, we like the east yeah. side. Yeah. And you guys, I love your guys' house out there. The hills out there are so beautiful. But um, so anyways, with all that being said, so then you moved back from Ventura to Bakersfield. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much there. But when that transition happened, did it take you a bit to kind of get back into the groove of things or yeah, it just was time for a change. No, you know what's interesting. So uh, let me give you let me give you why I left. I think that's really really important, and yeah. that, that's probably taboo to even talk about. Um, so I was working in the ministry, and I think it shocked a lot of people when I when I um, said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to quit doing VBF for a while." And I think it took a couple of people by surprise, um, just kind of where I was at in life. Um, but I had gotten to a place that I knew that I needed, and this is a good track to even go into what we're going to talk about today. I knew that I needed to stretch myself in a new way in order to be somebody that I wasn't at that time. And it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't leave on bad terms. You know, there was a, I had some resentment when I first left, not against an organization, but just in myself that I was just like, in my 20, I gave my, like from 20 to 30 something, I gave those years, um, well, I was like 29 because I remember turning 30 and we were about to move to Ventura, but I gave those years to the youth. And I always thought, man, if I just would have just done what I was supposed to do, I would have been making more money. I would have been further along ahead. Like I kind of wasted my time. And it wasn't until I came, not really came back, but in the middle of Ventura that I realized I didn't waste my time. 
I was just doing what God wanted me to do. And there was something else happening in that time in me that I wouldn't be who I was today if I wouldn't have gone through that 10 years. You know, in that time, if I could take back time, but you can't. And so 10 years, it's like, it was the time that needed to give. And, you know, I just didn't know that at that moment. Um, But I ended up believing, like I said, because I felt like I needed to be stretched and also um, look at things from a new perspective. And so we moved to Ventura and moving to Ventura was equally different and hard um, because new you're in a new city, you don't know people, new job, new responsibilities. Um, we had, we, we had just start, Kendall was also a baby when we had moved. She's super young. Um, and so it was a lot to adjust, but as I was able to kind of place my feet down and adjust and then realize what God was doing in that moment and Ventura and what it was actually about, I was able just to, I mean, it was like, it was so weird because I felt like in Ventura, I would have these moments where I was just like, you know, like when you're in a, when you're in flow and you're just grooving and you feel like, like nothing can stop you and everything you're doing is right. And that's kind of, I had a moment in Ventura. I was like with my business and photography and doing cinematography and meeting clients. I was just like, yes, 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 yes. And respect from people that were people that I would never thought I would imagine having interactions and being able to work with. I was getting, you know, these accolades and accomplishments and Ventura being known as like one of the best wedding photographers in that area was like a big deal. Um, and then also then also growing my cinematography part of my business and having clients that, you know, these are clients that, you know, are respected in the community. And it's like, this is really, really good. And when we were going to transition out of Ventura, a lot of it came down to just cost of living. If you, if you don't know anything about California and if you do know about California, it's really, really expensive to live in Ventura. And we kind of moved out of, we moved into Ventura when it was kind of at the all time low, right? The housing crash just had happened. Um, the market had changed, which is also a big part of that story. Cause we moved in a time that was like, nothing was really certain, right? It wasn't like jobs weren't promised at that time because it, people are still trying to figure out like how to recover economically, kind of like where we're at today with COVID, right? Um, and so, but yeah, be, being there, we decided that we wanted to kind of really get, when we started high school for Huntington, get into a place where we feel like we could just continue to develop and grow as people. And I ended up, I don't even know if you know this. I, I know Justin knows this because he's like, <laughs> he laughs about this, but we, I ended up, um, um, applying for a job in Idaho and they flew me out there and they're like, we love you. We love you. We love you. You're amazing. And I was super excited. And I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. And they're like, we want to make you a job offer right now before you leave. And I said, yes, I'll do it. And, uh, you know, took the drug test cause they thought I was a, you know, a hippie from California. So let me make sure I wasn't on drugs. And, uh, <laughs> that's a, that's funny. I don't know why I just, that's just something I thought was weird when I'm like, I flew out there and like, yeah, yeah, you got the job, but take the drug test. Yeah. I was like, really? Do I seem like a stoner? And then most of my friends say, yeah, you do actually. Um, I'm all shaking my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, uh-huh, yeah, that <laughs> it's makes sense. just a laid back personality. I just have a laid back personality. <laughs> it doesn't help that I look like I don't sleep. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so anyways, I took that job in Idaho and we came back home and we're like, oh, I guess we're moving to Idaho. Um, and then in that time, one of my best friends, Josh Vietti, you've mentioned him earlier, I should say one of my best, like my best friend, like yeah, one of the I was people like, he is that I'm the, the closest. It's like my brother. I should just start saying my He's brother. brother. Yeah, yeah, he really just is that person. Um, he um, he was just like, dude, like 
I think you should move back to Bakersfield. And I was like, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like I'm not feeling that. And part of that was pride too, because I didn't want to be like, to me, moving back to Bakersfield was like. Something was wrong. Something was wrong or you failed to survive out in the wild, or as mm-hmm. they would say. Right. And, yeah. um, and so I was like, part of that was in me. And I don't think I've even shared this part of the story. And I was like, I don't really want to move back just because it feels like a defeat, you know? And, um, so anyways, I started praying and praying and it was crazy because no one, you couldn't have told anybody that I would be willing to move back. They would have been like, Vince will never come back because I was that dead set on not coming back. And, um, Hannah did not want to come back by the way. She was like, I don't, I'm not feeling this. I don't, I don't think so. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, and man, just God started doing things. And the more that I talked and I wasn't coming back to like this really great, I wouldn't call it, um, I wasn't coming back to my best life. I was coming back to, to me, what felt like a downgrade in the sense of I was surfing every day in Ventura. I don't get that in Bakersfield. My, you know, the weather, 70 degrees, I work out outside every day. It's 110, you know, it's like all these things, mm-hmm. all these comp yeah. and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, and things that may not seem important to most people, but having routine, having, being able to go surf in the morning, being able to run outside, be, that that was all part of being a healthier me in Ventura. And that was part of my growth track, you know? Um, I like moved to Ventura and lost like almost a hundred pounds. So it was like, you know, that was just a big part of that, you know? And yeah. I felt better there. And uh, and so anyways, yeah, c- coming back to Bakersfield, um, was definitely, uh, you know, there's no way, no other way to put it, except that it was for sure, like God ordained, you know, you can say, if you don't, if you're not a believer and you're listening to the podcast, and you're like, well, I don't know about that. You can just say it was just, um, everything fell in place at the right time. It just, you know, yeah. it had to be. And now being back to uh, almost three years later, I had to be here. Yeah. There is no, there is no way that I couldn't have not, I could have been in Idaho with all the things that have happened in the last three years with relationships with friends and family and all the things I had to be in Bakersfield. So anyways, you you know, it's hard to see that when you're moving, you're like, I don't know, did I make the right decision? But coming out of COVID, we came out, I moved back, COVID happened. Yes. And that was a whole mess. And I was thinking we had owned our house in Bakersfield and I was like, our people could have squatted our house, put us in a harder financial hardship. Um, so that's one aspect of what I've had all the clients because Ventura is very liberal where Kern County, like my jobs would have shut down on the coast, you know, because of where, what it was. Um, Bakersfield really didn't shut down as much as, um, you know, as, uh, as they should have, maybe, I don't know. Now we can go back and forth on the COVID. I don't even want to get into that day. Oh gosh. I know. Um, and anyway, so, and then, um, just again, like with things that were happening with people in my life, it was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and we, you don't know that until you know that you don't. And then the growth that happened from me moving back to then, it was like, I was in the right place at the right time to be the person I needed to be. And that was important too. So anyways, yeah. My, the adventures of Vinny, the adventures of Vince. Yeah. And I, I just love came it. Back. I love it because you, it is, there is something, even what you're saying about your environment, right. And, and the aspect of that, because it was a sacrifice regardless of you're at the beach, yeah. you're at the coast. Those are all things that you gave up. And, and, and le- like, as far as, yeah. and I don't think people, like you, you mentioned earlier, I don't people, it, it is a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal because 
when you you guys were happy there yeah. and we visited you guys a couple times yeah. your kids were in good schools they yeah. had a community obviously Hannah's who she is so she had friends there yeah. and it it was uh, you had your life there and yeah. so it wasn't like something that was just like oh we hate it here and we're going to go back home so you had to really I, I would still work through oh, no, 100% yeah. I I would 100% I loved it there yeah, it's, absolutely. When people ask me, if somebody asked me the other day, if you, if you won the lottery, or where would you move? I'd be Ventura. And they're like, Ventura? I'm like, it was just such a, it's such a sweet spot for me still. And it's good. I have it. I have the memory and the memory is important. I, I think memories are super important. It was almost like I was able to plant a flag and be like, growth happened there and I'm stoked for it. And mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah. Um, and one day I might be back there. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it would be for selfish reasons at this point. Right. Um, but yeah, I, it was it, to have all that. And we looked at Idaho because we ha we thought it had similarities to the lifestyle that Ventura provided for us. In hindsight now, like we're like, oh man, we would have probably hated it, Idaho, which is so funny to say. Um, and, but we, ha we have no idea either what that would have been or what that would have looked like. So, so anyways, so ended up, how, how did Hannah end up getting on the same page? Or you were just like, Hannah, this is something we have to do. I think one day we woke up and she just got really excited about being back with the family, which again, this wasn't like, there was no like forced, like we're just doing it. It was just like one day she's like, yeah, I'll be closer to my sister. Her sister had just had new boys mm -hmm. and being closer to her mom. And yeah, I, I think just one day we're like, we can do this. Like this yeah. is going to be fun. And we, and then we'll like, we'll re and, and honestly, you're going to laugh at this. One of our thoughts was we'll come back, we'll save a bunch of money and we'll remodel our house, which we've done. You've seen it. Yeah, your house is beautiful. Um, we re kind of redid everything and um, and then we'll sell it and then we'll move again. Like we'll kind of just like home base and touch and, and um, obviously <laughs> we didn't home base and touch. We remodeled mm -hmm. and we're like, ah, our kids are super happy in school. Um, we're stoked about where we're at right now in life. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't have planned it any better. And, and it'd be to say that, we're happy in Bakersfield. It's about it's hot today, you know the the heat's back, but it's like I can still smile and be like, I I know I'm supposed to be here, and that's a good feeling. Yeah. So, well, it goes back to like you said, it it wasn't like when Josh, you know, said it, you were just yes, you were your initial reaction was no, but then you prayed. It was a lot. It wasn't it's, just one. By the way, when Lord, I say I pray, yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, it <laughs> was like like turning in my heart. I was like, God, I'll, maybe I'll move to like Santa Paula, and it's like only 45 minute drive to Baker. Like, God, Santa Clarita, like sounds good. Like, and then I'll drive back and help him. You know, it's crazy, and well, I'll actually share this in a couple of weeks in v, um, from the pulpit from VBF. But um, when I met Josh, and this plays in the story, he's like, Why would you move back for a fr like this? What is happening? What kind of relationship is this? Um, Josh and I have been always been close. Like I said, he's like a brother to me, like a family member. And when we were young, we were hanging out and we knew that we were connected some way. We just didn't know really how deep that connection went. And um, this sounds so weird, but it's the it's in the best way possible. We were at Magic Mountain hanging out and we were just talking about just things we wanted to do in our life. And we we're in our early 20s, like really early 20s. And like, I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, and he's like, dude, whatever we do, like if we do it together, we're going to be great. We're going to be great. 
And I was just like, that's, that's like when you know you have a really good friend and people always say like, you know, you know, if you go in business with your friend or whatever, it doesn't usually work out. And this is just a completely different thing. Like we've been able, Josh and I have had like knockdown conversations like that are hard, but be able to be like, I love you, man. <laughs> like we're, be- you know, like we're brothers in that like way. like soul friends. But yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyways, he, we, I had a fortune cookie or I, he had a fortune cookie and I was like, can I have half of that fortune cookie? And he's like, yeah, you know? And, uh, and he's like, we're going to break it. Whatever's in the fortune cookies. Like, <laughs> no, like I it was like, totally yeah, see yeah this. this is, can you, you see guys. Josh? Like, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And I just, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Like whatever's in that, we're 20 years old. Like, yeah, yeah whatever the fortune says. It could have said uh, something so dumb. We would have been like, it would have ruined our lives probably. But anyways, <laughs> we broke the cookie and uh, somebody right now is really mad. They're like, how dare you? Satan uses fortune cookies. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> this is great. Anyway, so we break the fortune cookie and that fortune cookie said this partnership will, shall pre- prove successful and you flipped out we were just like yeah of course like got we felt like it was a god moment for yeah, us you know of and, course um because we really that's what we felt like and so that's been just our story and so i've always felt that i'm supposed to help him and support him but i also feel that same support and you know from him and because it's funny because you know he has a lot of ideas a lot and I have a lot of ideas a lot too. I can't deny those things, but I don't get as excited about, I think about mine more, I process and then I'll be like, Hey, I have an idea. He'll be like, he'll have an idea and be like, we can do it. You know? And so, uh, and so, but I've always been able to come back and be like, I don't know about that one, but if you want to do it, let's go for it. You know? <laughs> but he's the reason why, um, I started doing web, um, doing web stuff. Mm-hmm. He started going to school for web and he's like, dude, you should do this. You'd be so easy. You'd, you'd learn this so easy. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And then I did it and I was like, oh yeah, it was easy. And then, uh, and then he's like, you know, he taught me how to use a camera, um, which is funny. People don't know this. Um, he was shooting, we always shot video. We used to make skate videos. And so we shoot videos on like these old camcorder cameras. And so he got really into DSLRs, which is like I'm nerd talk for a minute. So warning nerd talk. It's okay. Um, you I should have a whole segment. Nerd, nerd talk. But anyways, he got me into my first DSLR camera, which shot video. And I was so amazed by the image quality that it got me into photography. And so then he was like mad because I'm like, he's always shooting video. I'm like shooting photos. He's like, stop shooting photos. I need to shoot video. Um, but anyways, everything that we've done together, um, we've been able to uh, just learn a lot and grow. And so, yeah, it's just a good thing. So anyways, going back without going completely down a rabbit hole, which you, I think you're afraid of me doing today. Nah, nah uh, I love it. Is... Yeah. Yeah. When your friend calls and he's been your brother for so long and says, Hey, think about this. You, you stop and think, and that's what good friends do. They, they'll, 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 they're able to press pause in your life and really cause you to think. So that's good. Yeah. So, okay. You move back and then you were still doing video stuff and then you ended up coming back to VBF. So yeah, I, that transition back to the church was, I was just doing media and I wasn't full-time. Um, I was just, I was still doing um, contract work for the church via media. And it was, it was like a lot. It wasn't, you know, I would call it like most people call that a full-time job for me. It was just, I was doing, you know, 40 hours a week kind of for them and all the media needs that they have, which VBF Valley Valley Fellowship. If um, again, I don't know how much your podcast, your listeners know it's quite a big church and there's a lot of things going Mm on. And, uh, and so the media needs is quite large. Your husband worked there for a long time, just doing live stream stuff. So, um, so I was doing that and then I was still doing my video business and I was still doing wedding, wedding photography and I think and all, photography in general. Yeah. All of it. 
You yeah, have always, course, yeah. since the day I've met you, been a hustler in yeah. the best ways possible. Yeah, because yeah. I think that that's what drives you to be who you are. But it shows in your family life. It shows in your marriage. It mm-hmm. shows in your friendships is that when you do something, you do it well and you Thank do you. it intentionally. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that is something like with the video, it wasn't like you just showed up. It was you put your whole heart into it. And right. when people get to know you and they love you, that's who you are as a person, you know? Right. And I think that all of that to say this whole part of who you are, where you came from, what you are as a person and everything leads to what you're talking about. Yeah. Because in every aspect, um, you shared a verse with me earlier. Um, in, I believe you said it was in Matthew. Initially you said it was in John, but there was two verses. Okay. So tell me a little bit about this, uh, crazy fish story for those people who aren't Christians. Okay. Because this all ties into this. What we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. In real life. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. This is good. So in, uh, Luke five, two, there's a story, um, about Jesus. I don't even like saying the word story, but there, there's a passage about Jesus that, uh, he is on the shore and there's some fishermen. One of them's named Simon, which we know is Peter and then Andrew. And these guys, so if you know fishing, by the way, you guys got me this little fishing pocket guide for this podcast, which is so weird. How weird is that? That is so weird. You didn't even think about it. And now as we're no. thinking about this, this is like, it's kind of mind blowing, right? Because You didn't know that I was going to talk about no. fishing at all today. No. If you know anything about people that fish, it is like, it, it is one of the most encompassing hobbies. For some people, it's not. It's like they put a worm on thing. They don't ever catch anything. But if you like... If you fish, like I always tell people, you don't want to go fishing with me because I will burn you down. I will wake up at 4 a.m. and I will go all the way to dusk because if I haven't caught a fish, I will catch a fish. Like I am so determined. Like there, and I'll figure out where they're at and whatever. <laughs> it's just this like driving me to like, I will catch a fish. Like they were not going to beat me today. But these guys, so Simon, uh, Peter, and Andrew, um, these guys by trait were fishermen and they knew what they were doing. I would say, they were masters of their skills. And so they would work the Galilee. They would work these fishing boats day. And this was their way of life. It wasn't just like, this wasn't their hobby for my, for me, fishing's a hobby for them. It was their way of life. It was the way that they were able to feed their community. It was the way they were able to feed their, you know, their family. Um, and, and that's huge. And so Jesus is a rabbi in the area and a rabbi was somebody that just carried respect. It was like, if you saw a police officer, and um, you were thinking about jaywalking and then you saw the police officer, you'd be like, ah, I probably shouldn't jaywalk, right? And in California, I think you can jaywalk now, but that's a whole nother side note. <laughs> but it, it's like this reverence that you carry, you know, a position of authority. So Jesus is on the shore and he wants to um, he wants to go out and teach. And so he says, hey, can you push me out in this boat? And so they do that. And so then when he gets done, he goes back in and uh, Peter and Andrew had just got done fishing for the day it said that they had t- that basically that they've toiled all day is what they've what they said to Jesus meaning they just worked and worked and worked didn't catch much fish we know those days we call it being skunked and um Jesus says to them hey um go out over here and points to somebody it, so- it sounds like really close to shore right like i'm trying to if you've been to the galilee you've been to the galilee it's not like this giant place but anyways it's for jesus to be like oh yeah go over there and drop your nets 
I mean, you've had to imagine if they've worked all night, they've dropped their nets in every place possible. Again, this isn't just because they were fit. This is like their way of life. Like it's super important that they catch fish. And if they don't, there's, there's, you know, there's consequences for it. So these guys being the pros that they are, were probably like, are are you serious? Right. In fact, like I said, they yell back, master, we toiled all night and we've caught nothing. We dropped our nets and, but okay, if you say so, we'll do it. And so they go back, they go back out, they drop their nets. And it says that they've caught so much fish that they had to call over their friends because they couldn't get, the nets were overfilling and, um, and they come back to shore and Andrew says, you know, Jesus depart from me, you know, from a sinful man. And, uh, Jesus goes on and says, no longer you're going to be fisher, you know, you're not going to fish for fit, but you're gonna be fishers of men. Right. <laughs> There's a couple takeaways there that are really big. I think the most common one is that we take the, the miracle, right. And we equate the miracle to Peter following Peter and Andrew following Jesus, right? Like this miraculous thing happened caught all these fish. Well, the truth is, is on any day you can catch a lot of fish, right? Obviously that was a miracle. I'm not taking away from the Jesus miracle, but I'm sure they've caught lots of fish on the Galilee before they were fishermen. That's what they did. They were masters. But on this particular day, they catch no fish. What's really important to extract of the story, and which I think people miss, is that knowing how good that they were, knowing that they were skilled fishermen, they went back and dropped their nets. And in dropping their nets, there was a humility that had to happen for them to say, okay, like I'll do this. They don't want to do it, but they'll do this. And then they catch the fish and realize, ah, like I don't have, we don't have it all figured out. Like we thought we had it all figured out. We thought we were the masters of this, mm -hmm. but we're not like, we don't have this figured out. And to be able to come to that conclusion that I mean, think about it. You're on the Galilee, you fish all day. You think you have it all figured out. You come in ashore. Somebody says, Hey, go over there and do this again. You're like, okay, I'm going to do it, but nothing's going to happen. And then have the, and then, then to pull up all the fish and say, wow, like I am so like, I do not have it figured out at all. And this is why I need Jesus. And for me, that's such a big takeaway because I think in our lives, sometimes we think we have it all figured out. We think that we have the right answers. We think we have the conclusion to the end. And really when we humble ourselves and we're willing to redrop our nets, we continue to find something new about ourselves that we didn't know on an everyday basis. And that is huge. That is what Jesus talked about when we talked about Christ in me, is that as you continue to let Jesus, you humble yourself out and continue to let Christ inside of you, you begin to realize things and learn things that you would never have thought that you could learn or be a person that you thought you could be to others because of Christ living through you and what's happening in that process. And a lot of that, my, uh, my takeaway and what I really want to talk to you about was learning to learn, learning to relearn, but not just relearn something for the sake of being smarter or better, but for the sake of others and who we are becoming, not only as Christians, but who we're becoming as people, people to the people, to, to others around us. I was, um, talking to somebody the other day and, and I knew I was going to go into this podcast. So I've been having lots of random conversations and people, you know, me and my random conversations, I got your husband Hulk completely riled up about time of like four weeks ago. Yeah. Um, because I have this whole theory on time, but we, I won't go into that, but I will talk about that today, but, I, but, but I was talking to another friend and I had, I had said to them, and this really set them off. And this friend's a doctor. 
I said, um, if a doctor, I said, do you think a doctor um, buried 50 years ago is smarter than somebody that never went to school today? And they said, well, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean? Like, what are you asking? I'm like, well, you know, the person that's, you know, that went to school, I said, go, go back a hundred years, right? Just to make the, the, the um, analogy a little better. I said, a hundred years ago, a doctor died. Do you think I'm smarter than that doctor? And he's like, no, like, of course not. Like that was a doctor. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And I was like, but did they have Google? And he's like, no, they didn't have Google, but they learned medical. I'm like, has, has anything happened in the last hundred years medically? Like to like the, the growth of like science and medicine that has like propelled us forward that you think that maybe we know more so. And he's just like, started thinking, I can see his wheels turning. He's like, are you saying education's not important? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm actually saying different. I'm saying like the, the evolution of, and it's like a taboo word, but the evolution of being a medical doctor a hundred years ago so for some of us today, because we have devices and stuff and we have WebMD and all these things, we might have more knowledge if we applied ourselves right to that knowledge um, than somebody that, than a hundred years ago um, had the knowledge because it's progressive, right? Because it's learning. Um, because just because you had a degree from 10 years ago, now people are going to get upset. Doesn't mean that the thing that you learned 10 years ago is applicable and still good and progressive today. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that stuff translates not only to our everyday life, but it translates to our spiritual life and our mental life and our physical life. Fun tangent. And I know you're going to ask a lot of questions. I'm going to let you. I was at, so I've kind of struggled with weight my whole life. This is something that I've kind of talked about in another podcast. Um, and it, it was funny because I was always super skinny growing up, active, super skinny. And then I got a car and then I started gaining weight. And I didn't really know why <laughs> people are going to laugh like, huh? Again, we're like talking like I'm 40. I'm talking like this is pre like Google. Like, how do I lose weight? Like you didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't have that as a teenager, right? I didn't have Google at my fingertips and I would have to go to the library if I wanted or, you know, ask like a sports nutritionist, which those weren't handy if you lived in the ghetto on the east side, you know, I was right. I was raised for a big part of my life on Quincy street. So if you know where that's in Bakersfield, that also gives you my some dude, more perspective. Right I, by my when, school. Yeah. When you talk about the East high, right. Uh -huh. When you talk about the hustle, the hustle it becomes real when you live on that side of town. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I share this because I was telling somebody, I honestly didn't know what a calorie was. Like yeah. I knew, I knew like things said like calories, but I didn't know that. Oh, if you had, if you ate this many calories, then, you know, so for lunch, because it was cheap, we would drive our cars to like during high school to Jack in the Box and you could, for $2, you can get a jumbo jack and two tacos. Yeah. For two, like, like what? Mm -hmm. Are you so for lunch, we would, you know, we, our lunch money was like, our parents would give us 10, we'd take two of it. And, oh, and then if you want to add a soda, it was like $3, right? So it's like, you would get the gigantic giant for a dollar, you get the gigantic cup. And that was like my daily nutritional meal, like in high school, because no one said, Oh, calories. And no one said balanced diet. No. And so it, I had to relearn and, and by wrecking my body through experience, I had to relearn how to eat, how to take care of myself. And what, and that doesn't mean that I, like now I know it's like, I've still messed up. And it's funny. Cause I, I eat when my friends are like, man, you like, you're not going to eat the bread or, you know, like if they think you guys have been with me eating that I, I don't eat like crazy amounts of food, but 
Um, I have, I have cheat days like everybody else, but I had to retrain myself because the stuff that I knew in high school about dietary nutrition and the pyramid scheme that they taught you in school and iron kids bread and all that wasn't (laughs) the most healthy thing in the world. So I had to relearn, um, how to take care of my body and how to take care of myself and all that I didn't know then was also now effect on me mentally because how much nutrition and exercise impacts your mental too. So again, a lot of progressive learning there. So yeah. So now I want to, yeah, go ahead and ask No, away. I feel like, well, it's just interesting because I, first I want to talk about this whole diet thing because I think that it's, it's really, it's something that I don't think it's just you. I think that we grew up in that generation, yeah. which I did a whole rabbit hole of, going down with the pyramid of food and then the FDA and then the CDC. And I kind of went down all of this stuff and I don't even want to get started on that, but who funds what and where it comes from and where they grow things. Oh man. I, I I went, I went too far. Um, and I went through a little bit of anger and and fear for a bit just because of, of what it comes from. Yeah. But we grew up during this time. Yeah. Where that's what you, you know, you eat X amount of servings of wheat and grains and you're tiny, right. you know. And so obviously your body's and, it, and it's not even just about what it's about how it's produced. Right. So the way that they started to produce wheat and the way that they pro- started producing food in general and then 70s. OK, they started to introduce TV dinners, right. they introduced the microwave. They intru- So all of these fast, convenient. Yes. Yeah. Everything became fast. Everything became convenient. And so you had this whole wave of what is quote unquote health. And there's always a superfood, right? Right. So you're right when it talks about a calorie, but even in the calorie, there's empty calories, there's, you know, whatever, complex carbs, and you can go down the list. But your normal everyday person isn't going to know that, which is why we have so many of us that struggle, you know, with with weight, because it's not just a you thing. That's something that. Right most of America. And then you throw in females and hormones and all this stuff anyways. But all that to say, we're talking about progressive, right? We're talking about being progressive and being willing to know, right? You don't know what you know until you know, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's one of my things that I like to live by is it's like the closer that I get to the Lord, the less I realize I know. Mm. And when I'm spending time with him, the things that he shows me mostly about my character and things that I need to change. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it's what you said when you're talking about Simon Peter and you're talking about Andrew is in that moment, you know, they were, they fished all day, all night. Right. And yeah. I think that they probably had a little bit of that grit that you did. Like we're not leaving this For boat sure. until we catch some fish. Yeah. Because, Like you said, it was their livelihood. There's probably some competitiveness in this. Yeah. They're probably so confused about why they're not catching mm-hmm. fish, which that is how they're going to make money. Right. To add to this, by the way, I'm going to just add, they also, from like what I've read, is they would have to pay a fee to like, uh, like a dock, like basically like a docking. Imagine like a road. So this is Roman Empire rule, right? In order to go out on these boats, this was controlled by the Romans, right? And so in order to go out and use the boat for the day, I was something I read. It was very obscure. So I can't completely factually don't. So don't fact check me, but you're completely wrong. But from what I understood is that they would have to come back in and pay a fee 
for ha- mm-hmm. having fish that, which makes sense. Like mm-hmm. if you come in, like in California, you'd have to pay a fee. To, you have to have a, a license. license to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's like a fee involved. If they caught fish, 100% there was a fee. There was no doubt about it. Right. They had to pay the taxes on the fish that they caught as a whole thing. So anyways, I sell that because to come in and lose, go negative for the day is even worse. So that having a day where you went negative, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you've had those days, right? Where it's like, yes. Oh, I'm negative today. Yeah. And, to, and then to be like, I've already lost right there in the, I've already lost moment. And then to have this happen is mm-hmm. like, like, you don't know. Yeah. Right. We always laugh. We always, you, you don't, don't know. know. Yeah. You don't <laughs> yeah. know. Right. Exactly. Jesus is like, go out and c- go through the net. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know what just happened. And Jesus is just like, okay, we'll see. And again, the miracle. Yes. But the, the, Oh, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't, I don't know. I don't. Right. We have to know. change it. I don't know. I don't know. Oh man. <laughs> and when you say, I don't know, there's so much power in that over mm-hmm. I do know mm-hmm. because not, and I'm not saying that obviously there's times where you need to know, but when you're willing to not know is when you are going to have the most growth in your life. Mm-hmm. And that is huge. What was it that Jesus said? He said what to them? What, what did he prompt them? Yeah. So were you talking about in that story? Particular? In that particular story. I'm curious to see yeah, yeah, what he, his words Yeah. Were. His actual words is, um, so, uh, like what did he, he, he goes, pro- yeah. he basically says, and when, uh, and when he had finished speaking, remember I told you he went on the boat, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And it wasn't like, Oh, go over, you know, like it was like, just go. And, and, and then his, like I said, the response was, he said, master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't know. Like, this doesn't make sense. We've done this already. We've already done this. Right. Um, and it would have been easy for Jesus, again, this got to say, oh, you're right. You're right. Like you actually, you fished all night. But again, it wasn't in, in, in the, I don't want to take away from the miraculous because that's a huge part of it. Putting emphasis on the not having it all figured out. And then the humility of letting everybody else see that you don't have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. the growth that has to take place of that. I mean, he quits fishing because he realized that he didn't have it figured out. Mm-hmm. And, he, and Jesus, like Jesus says in other scriptures, in other passages of this story, it's just Jesus says, follow me. And it says that he did. Mm-hmm. They don't give this account. Luke's very thorough with his account, right? He's a mm-hmm. doctor. So of course he's going to be a lot more thorough than everybody else. I'm not, I have to go back and say, I'm not discrediting doctors, by the way. I know um, that's not what you meant. Right, right. But I just, you know, that, that, um, that moment of just, yeah, just being like, okay, then what, Mm -hmm. then what? Well, because it is, you, you get to a place and I think we all get there where we think we know it all, right? We, we, we're living our lives. We, we think we have it figured out. We're we're trying everything. And then you hit this wall, right? They, up to that point, they were fishermen because they were good at it. Like you said, but up in that day, they were having a very rough day. You're, they're about to be in the hole. They're exhausted. They're over it. And that humility of just, for some reason, there was something that intrigued them enough to say yes to Jesus in that moment. Yeah. And I think that so often, at least I can only speak for my own self when God has said, do something. And we either say no, because we're too tired right, or out of fear or out of doubt, or there's a many of reasons why we say no to something, Yeah, but choosing to say yes to the Lord in that moment allowed them like you said, those miracles 
Jesus had a reason for those miracles every time. And it was always for the benefit of his kingdom every single time. And in that moment, he wanted to show them something specific about yes, humility and also who they were to become. Yeah. Who, what is their purpose? Right. To say you're going to be fishers of men. Right. And, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier about the intricacies of fishing, because I know enough to know how intricate it is yeah. and there's a zillion i shouldn't say a zillion but dozens of types of fishing of poles yeah there's probably a zillion that's okay right. i was like <laughs> zillions yeah i'll go with zillions because that's about right and what and what's yeah. so interesting is that every culture has fishing yeah if there's a body of water and yeah. they all fish differently yeah some of them have a little scoopy scoop Scoopity scoop what's it called scoopity scoop a net a net that's all right i like scoopity scoop scoop. yeah some of them you know you go to a lake they Mm -hmm. use some drill through ice exactly yeah and i think though that there there is aside from fishers of men when you think about how many layers that goes Mm. deep yeah of what it actually means to fish for men yeah because when you're we you know we talked about it a little bit earlier too the individual of you know, when you're, when you and Josh, right, when you guys are together, you guys are talking, you guys trust each other enough yeah. to know, you know, who, who you are. And when Jesus is talking about going to fish for men, it's like, well, we, you have to know the fish well enough to know how to catch them. Yeah. And until you know a person well enough to know. Oh, that's so good. How to catch that's them. That's so good. And how to. And catch is probably the weirdest it's, word I was just going to gonna say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love what you're saying. Oh, that's so good, Liz. Oh, man. The more that you empty yourself out in the humility, the more empathy you start having for others. And that empathy, it might come with older age too. I think, I think as I get older and I, you know, getting older, you know, gives you more time <laughs> to, to learn, you know, yeah. um, I use time cause I was like, I, I can't give Justin too much uh, stuff to talk about, <laughs> but it's, you know, you, you start, you grow, you know, you're, you're growing is, you know, sometimes stretched out. Sometimes it takes somebody a little bit of time to figure out. And sometimes it takes somebody from me 10 years in Ventura to figure some stuff out. But the more you figure, you start learning empathy. And that's one of the things that I have tried to really, this is, I don't think it's new for me, but really trying to, you know, trying to put myself in other people's shoes and be like, okay, like, what is it actually like for them going through the things that they're going through? so that I can better understand them, not to catch them, right? Cause that, you know, the word, mm-hmm. cause I know what you're saying, but to just be able to authentically love people, man, like to really get into their lives and really be there for them in a way that Vince 1.0 was nowhere near being able to do. Vince 2.0 was like still figuring out and Vince 3.0 was like, I get it a little bit more mm-hmm. and I can actually help you if you, if you want the help. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it comes from a process of just, emptying myself out and be like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And being willing, willing to relearn the things that I thought I knew. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we're talking about, oh, I love the NBA. I'm going to transition on you. Is that okay? Oh, duh. Um, <laughs> duh, duh. Um, I love the NBA and I love, and so LeBron James, I really, I know people are going to be mad that I like LeBron James, but it is, it okay, is Okay, like it is. it's an understatement. Uh, yeah, I like LeBron. Oh, I can't. Uh, you can't say I, lo- I love. Yeah, you are I love. so impressed. I, you know what? You know what I'm by impressed LeBron. by. Yes. You know, again, it's my story because it's not my his story's not my story, but he comes from this. You know, and we love these underdog stories, right? There's something about, and I, this is a complete 
there's a complete um, tangent here, but that's okay. There is a difference when you see somebody when something's everything's handed to them on a silver plate, and you're like, ah, there's something wrong there. Like you get a feeling about it. Like when some when everything's too easy and people are handed stuff, you're like, ah, that's gonna go wrong. Like you don't feel right about it, right? But then the underdog story is like the story of like they're never meant to make. And you see somebody like LeBron James. Yes, he was naturally gifted with abilities like as far as like he being his growth and how big he got in high school and but he also had to apply all those skills you see these really tall guys that try to make in the nba and they don't make it because they don't have that that um that mentality to go get it and he just he came from no fatherless home single mother they live very they lived in poverty i would say you know i think lebron would say that today and um come out from that and then become who he is today and like to have all that pressure too coming out of like high, uh, high school as the number one pro- and then meet that to live up to that it's like dude like the guy did it and today like i know you politics aside the guy has schools that he's helping kids and like, all these things so it's like i'm really stoked that he's found a way to make an impact the way that he felt like he make an impact and you know again it goes back to the least of these stories you might say well lebron's not a christian well Man, like all I know is like he put that school together and he, these kids that were living in the ghetto in Cleveland, they have a place where they can go to school. They have free meals. They have opportunities. That's least of these, right? When Jesus said, you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave that at that. So. And I also think too, though, <laughs> I think that people can get so, I'm using air quotes, righteous. Christian Christians yeah, yeah. aren't the only nice, good people in the world. Oh, of course. Right. But I think that, when you live in this bubble and some, unfortunately some Christians have been the meanest people I've ever met. And that's oh. just, and I think that just goes to show people, the worst, the worst. I hate even saying that, you know, it's but yeah, the, the people I've been hurt the most same by, by people that have said they are complete Christ followers and they have wrecked my life completely. Mm-hmm. And in, and when I say wreck my life completely, I, I can't say really wreck my life, but they've hurt me at my core where I thought, wow, like that actually hurt. Mm-hmm. And, um, and those are hard moments to process where I have at other ends where, you know, so again, it's, it comes down to the end. I don't blame the church. Of course not. Those pe- people are people and people will hurt, you know, hurt mm-hmm. people, hurt people. Um, you know, people that are healing and learning heal together. And that's huge. My transition from coming back from LeBron James now. Uh, well, that was a tangent. Um, so we, we were talking and talking earlier. You, one of my first memories of you, uh, to, again, was um, outside of me thinking you were this like chola gangster girl, <laughs> um, preppy which? chola gangster girl, which is fun. Um, we were watching uh, an NBA game together at a pizza place when we were doing college group together. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were a big Celtics fan. Um, and I think you kind of still like the Celtics. I don't know if you watch basketball as much as you used to. But anyways, LeBron was making his first run in the finals and you were cheering against LeBron. I was just like, I just know. Like, it was so fun. I, you were you were loving it. And I'm like crying almost because I'm like, <laughs> I want LeBron to win so bad. I'm cheering for him. And you're just like, it ain't going to happen. And it didn't happen that year. Um, but uh, you were just that hard. But we in, in, in talking about sports, I was telling you before we started the podcast that um, no coach that LeBron has ever played for that coach has never, ever been better. You would never say any of the coaches that coached him were a better player than LeBron, right? Like in conversation, most yeah. people would say LeBron's probably one of the greatest players ever played the game. There's yeah, debates undeniable. now with him and Michael Jordan go back and forth. 
But as far as coaches, most of the time, I would say on almost in, almost every NBA team, mo- there's a couple coaches that were players and they they were incredibly good, like Steve Nash. Actually, he's not a great coach, but you know he was an incredible player. But there are some player coaches that end up coaching. But for the majority of coaches, they're usually or typically not better than the players that are playing. And you would have to stop and think for a moment, like, how does this work out? Like, how do you coach LeBron? You know that LeBron knows probably everything there is to know about basketball. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to know that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So how do you coach the person that knows more more than you? Like, how do you actually make a difference on 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 a team where you're the coach of the best player on the planet, right? How did Phil Jackson coach Michael Jordan? Right. Like these are the best players. And like, how do you know? You don't know more. You don't know. Like, so what? So why is the coaching position even necessary? Do we need coaches? Do we need people? In our, these guys don't need. They, they're so good. They can play. Right. The, the thing that's obvious that we don't talk about. Is coaches have a way to see things that we don't see in ourselves. Yeah. Coaches have a way also to see things from a different viewpoint that where we're so caught up in what we're doing that we miss the things that we're not seeing as the game gets played, as the game goes on, right? Simon Sinek wrote a book and I like it and it'll apply here a little bit. He talks about playing in um, the infinite game, meaning that you don't, you're not just playing this one game and it's over that you're infinitely playing, you're learning and you're progressing. But a lot of that comes with being able to be self-aware but then be so self-aware and so tuned in that you let others speak into your life, right? Because LeBron James doesn't win a championship without Eric Spolstra in the Miami Heat, without having the knowledge of saying, hey, this team's doing this. You're not seeing it. Let me help you, mm-hmm. right? Now, LeBron goes off on the Celtics that game, by the way, has one of the most incredible playoffs in that in that, in that second year run with Miami Heat. But, but yeah, I mean, just having somebody like Jesus in the moment with Simon Peter mm-hmm. that can say, Hey, go out and put your nets out mm-hmm. and being willing to do that and make the change is so huge. And it's so also just so devalued. And when a person is willing to be coached and then, and then make the adjustments and changes needed more than likely they'll start winning. And then when I mean winning they're you know, like, they're going to start doing better than they than they actually thought they can be. Obviously, Jesus ends up being our ultimate coach, right? As we lean into him. But then there are people in our lives that as we have these relationships, they begin to coach us. And if we're willing to accept the correction, then our growth also, growth and our learning also happens, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in a way that that we that we can't even, you know, there's no scale for it because something that was said to you by somebody five years ago might make sense now. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So one of the, and I'm going to bring this up because I love this story about you and I I bring it up a lot is um, I bring it up a lot with us, but not like with other people. We're at Hume Lake Christian camp. I'm in my early, probably 25, 26. And I was kind of letting the pranks get a little bit out of control with the students. And, and, And everybody was laughing. Everybody was having fun. Um, but it started being at the cost of other kids and you corrected me and you said, Vince, no. And I tried to play it off and I said, ah, yeah, yeah. And you go, but Vince, no. 
And I remember that day, like I remember that night. I remember where we were sitting. There was like the little loony. There was the little coffee place. We were like right by the lake. I remember all so vividly. And that's important because for me, I it was a learning moment. And you don't think like, oh, like how you're correct. Like for me, I had to really stop and go like, okay, what 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 is my takeaway here? Like, and am am I letting this get to? And am I being a good? Am I being a good mentor? Am I did this? Go, so and then being able to take that and again like keep the keep that memory almost like a, I planted a flag there. Go, Vince 1.0. I'm past that. Vince 3.0 goes ah. Good learn, like you learned, but it didn't. I didn't learn it on my own. It took a coach to come in and say, and not not somebody that you know. You're the official coach of my life. You're 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 my assistant. But at the same time, I let you be a friend and somebody I can trust. Where I was able to go, I'll learn from that and move on. And those people are so important in your life to have those people in your life that you let in that you trust because you can't. It can't be everybody, and I, I. But it can be a couple people where you know that they have the best. I knew at the time, Liz, that you had the best interest in mind for me. Like you weren't doing that out of a place of like, I want to hurt you. You're doing that. Like I want better for you. Mm-hmm. And you've always had that yeah. same thing. I felt with Ju- Justin. Sometimes I don't feel like- <laughs> I'm just kidding. Justin, um, he, he asked to listen to this one. So I know I can get him. but there are certain people in your life that, you know, when they say something like, ah, hold on to it because they, they actually have the best intentions mm-hmm. for you. You don't get a lot of those people in your life, but when you get them, let them be your coach and let them speak into your life so that you can continue to grow. Well, and I trusted you. I knew that I I wouldn't just tell, I mean, when I get, I don't know, I, I trusted you. You don't get I mad you. often, by I don't the way. get mad often. And I wouldn't even say you were mad. You were no. just like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> you might've yeah. been frustrated with me. But I think like, I think though that as people, we either get to that place where we know we don't know or we walk around with this haughty attitude that we don't even realize we have. For sure. And and you you can you can walk around like that. And right. And sure, we might there might be areas in our lives where we know a lot about something, but we're never going to know everything about something. Of course. And when we're talking, you know, about the dynamics of working with other people and we're talking about learning empathy and growing. It's a, it's exhausting. It, yeah. it, it takes a little bit of an extra step in the moment to step back and, and say, okay, this person's a yelling at me, yeah. criticizing me. Right. And our initial response is to buck up and say, you don't know, right? You, right, right. You don't you know. You don't know. Right. And you and you're ready to fight because it's it's right. this natural response to say, like they said to Jesus, we've already done this. Right. It's human right? nature, it's right? It's human nature. Yeah, yeah. But when you take a step back and say, reflect, one, why is this person angry? Or two, why are they hurt? Or why are they X, Y, and Z? Or right. why you know, did I do something right? It's always, no, it's them, them, them. But mm-hmm. if we take a step back, like you said, and reflect on those moments, that's the point that you can grow. But, yeah. but also I think that it makes us more relatable to other people. Yeah. Inviting to other people when yeah. we don't, you know, there've been times when I've had, I, I'm, I feel like I'm always apologizing mostly to Justin because my, <laughs> my poor attitude, he just gets it all. He and, gets it all. Yeah, nice. And I'm just constantly like, I'm sorry. Like I was just having a bad day or I'm, 
you know, I've had to apologize to you many times. I'm sorry when it popped off. Like I just, I don't remember those times, but yeah, <laughs> most of the time it's like warranted for me, but yeah, I totally, I feel that. And I, it's just, it's one of those things. Again, your natural reaction when somebody goes to correct you or coach you mm-hmm. is I don't need that. Yeah. Right. Like I don't, because I you're don't, so good. You're be, LeBron James. <laughs> right. And, and, and that is our extreme reality. Like I'm still like, to put it in that aspect of like, how do you, you know, how do you tell Babe Ruth, like, go, how do you hit it different? Like, mm-hmm. right. What was that coach saying? Mm-hmm. But really, obviously there's the team aspect and, and, and that plays a big part of it. And obviously those coaches do so much, right. But individually for them to, to be able to take the correction when needed and then apply it is where you're going to see the growth. And then again, those coaches, there's not going to be a lot of them in your life, but know that they have the best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. I think that's really big. One of the things I feel like in our society is people don't have the best interests in mind for people anymore. It's kind of like, I don't like every person. Oh, there's a lot. We call, we call them haters, right? People don't want to see people too. achieve, right? They don't want to see people um, get to their best place. And in my life now, my messaging, my message now, I will say if I have a message out there, my message to you is that you can do way more than you think you can do. And I 100% want the very best for you. Even if it's at the cost of my, uh, what I'm doing in my life, obviously not the cost of like danger and hurt and whatever, but at the cost of, um, if it takes me laying down my own, you know, um, get or gain out of something so that you can succeed then I, that means a lot more to me now. And it, it, I mean, that goes on. Jesus himself says, um, talking about the goat, right? Greatest of all time, Jesus. <laughs> um, he says in John 14, 12, another passage we talked about is that greater things you will do because I go to the father where he's talking about the Holy spirit descending. A lot of people talk about, but what a statement to say. This is the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. Like let this, if you don't hear anything else, let it soak in. The God of the universe says, Greater things you're going to do, right? It'd be like, again, going back to LeBron James saying, it's telling the rookie, hey, you're going to play better than me. You're going to be a way better player than I'm going to be. Huh? You, what? Huh? I can't what? even reach the hoop. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Like, you know, his kid is like, just got drafted and it's like, you're going to be better than me. Huh? Yeah. Like, how, like, you don't see that path, but Jesus says like the path, like the path that he lays for, for us is you're going to be better. And the humility for the God of the universe say, Greater things you're gonna do. I shouldn't. Better is probably. I probably need to keep on the greater work. But greater things, the the impact that you're gonna have, because I've gone to the Father, and that, and a lot of that has to do with the freedom that He gave us, and in having the freedom of oppression of sin off of our lives, having the freedom to move forward and walk in a way to be, like I said, the Christ in you to to be a a, um, a person of healing for others, to be a person of support for others, to be. Um, connected in a way that we are never connected to God because beforehand, right, going into doers, all this stuff that you'd have to do to stay connected to God. And then we just got direct ass- access, um, almost, <laughs> yeah, not access, um, access um, to God. And so yeah. that that is a game changer in itself. And so, yeah, I, I mean, dude. And, I, and I, it is because I think that I, there's a lot of people that, might be listening like who, who aren't Christian. And I think that I, I have these conversations with Justin a lot. And I say, being a Christian is so weird. 
And I, and I, and he's like, why do you say that? And I say it because I step outside of what I know as yeah. a Christian to somebody who doesn't know at all. And, right. and I, I'm around people who don't know the right, Lord right. at all. Yeah, yeah. And I've never been in that. I, I grew up in church my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so stepping outside of that and I think about the type of conversations you have when you're a Christian, the, the type of conversations you have when you're reading the Bible and you, and we have this, these things that we say and that we do and, and words and, right. and then I step outside of that and I'm like, people don't speak this way. They don't talk this way. They sure. don't speak this way. Sure. And so I'm constantly finding myself like, yeah. like, okay, be normal, but also but be yourself. Right. But also, this is wild. You're talking mm. about a miracle. Yeah. There, and when people are like, well, that just, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it was a miracle. You're right. right. It doesn't make sense because it was a miracle. Right. Like there's no way to explain but it. But the universals is what extends. And when I say the yes. universals is like, um, like, so when you, we talk about church being weird, for me, um, it, that's starting to all change for me too because I'm learning um religion starts out very oppressive not not in the not not in Jesus's time not the disciples not acts to what we see but after you start getting into like what we consider going to church right like early um what's the word I want to use like um um I'm gonna mess it up but anyways the early not the early church of acts but early church culture was oppressive like let's oh, say yes. 1800s right Absolutely, let's go yes and 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 what i mean by that it was that religion was used to rule over people in fact they didn't i don't even know when the i can't i don't want to put a date on it but it wasn't until the printing press where people actually could read the bible for themselves and actually understand the bible for themselves and be like wait we're doing all this stuff because you told us to and it's not even in the bible so the the bible was used to control people i mean we know in history it was yes. used to go in on crusades and kill the people in the name of the lord right it was all these things that so it came out of this really oppressive thing and controlling thing that it was never meant to be. Cause again, you get human hands on it. Human hands tend to ru- ruin it. And then you kind of come into like early, you know, um, like, let's just go, let's like fast forward into like printing press. People are starting to read the Bibles from themselves. Now you're getting people that are like freedom of religion, right? This is how United States is born, right? They were oppressed from the Britain. The, they wanted freedom from religion. So they, they end up in the United States, some history going on here now. And then they start getting into this new way of serving God. And like, they can, they don't, they don't have to do all the things, all these rules. And then, you know, we fast forward into our culture where, um, there was a lot of things that our culture, even, you know, dating back to the sixties and seventies, they're like, you got to do it like this, this, and this. And it's like, they had all these rules that really had nothing to do with Christ. It was just all these extra things that we've made. And then they were good. I'm not saying some of this stuff wasn't good. I'm just saying, there was a lot of just like, if you don't do this, then you're not going to go to heaven. And in, in, in all of that, Jesus is somewhere in the middle because a lot of those things weren't universal. But if you go back to the scriptures where, you know, when you look at and you say, well, what is, what does Jesus really hone on? Well, you go back to when Jesus says, what is the greatest command? What is the greatest commandment? Well, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love others. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, as you love yourself. And so you have this like moment where Jesus said, this is the most important. And then he doubles down on everything that they said, well, 
so even going back to John the Baptist, I'm sorry, I'm using a lot of scripture to make up a, uh, a non-scriptural point, but going back to John the Baptist, people were asking John the Baptist, what do you do to get saved? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to follow? Right? They didn't have saved at that point because Jesus, but what is it? What do you do? And he simplifies, he's baptizing people. Do you know what he says? Do you know what he says to the people? He says, he simplifies. He just said, if you have two tunics, give one to your brother. It wasn't like all this crazy. It was just like, meet the needs of the people around you, right? Mm -hmm. Universal. And then you go back into Jesus. And again, the least of these, like he didn't say, well, make sure you do this. And you go da da da. He said, you know, be there for the widows, the poor, the thirsty, the prison, you know, be the, for, be there for the need of the people, have the empathy for the people we talked about earlier. Um, and everything will just kind of like start rolling. So those things, when we talk about Christians being weird, to me, church can get weird because there's a there is a there is a uh, there is a, there's a bunch of random church rules we're talking about. Right? I said the word evolution's taboo, right? Or way we talk about all these different things is there are some things in church culture that if you're not in part of church culture, you don't quite understand, right? You're like, what does that mean? But if you take church culture away and you simplify it down to the teachings of Jesus, it's not weird at all. Being a Christian is actually quite normal. Hey, give your brother, give, if you have two tunics, give your brother a tunic. Wow. That's okay. That doesn't, Hey, mm -hmm. like there's people in need. Oh, perfect. Yep. Love God mm -hmm. with all your heart, soul, and mind. And that means that you're loving others. Mm -hmm. Wow. Loving other, what that's mm -hmm. not new. Right. So these things are not weird at all. They're just things that we have to retrain again. Talk about learning. We have the John 12, two talks about transforming our mind. So the renewing of our mind isn't, oh, we, we take that verse and we say, renew your mind, get rid of all the sin, right? Or whatever. That's how it can, the renewing of your mind starts when you realize it's not about you, but it's about what God is doing through you for the needs of other people. And when you get to that point, then the stuff like the, the and I'm not sin does encompass people and it does take over. And so I understand that. So I'm not saying, well, sin's not a big deal. What I'm saying is that when you get when you get so entrenched into that part of what, who God is, that the sin is like, why did I even do that? Why was I even living like that? Because that was so not healthy and that was so unfruitful and that wasn't who I was supposed to be. That you become this whole nother again the new creature, right? Mm -hmm. You become this whole nother person yeah. that you never even like like oh wow like I'm here now, and that is so universal and impactful. I know people are, you're talking about, Hey, you didn't use the word universal. Cause people are thinking he's talking about universalism. Everybody goes to heaven. And I'm not talking no, about but that. You're talking about the principles that they I'm go talking across about, cultures. You said Christians being weird. And mm -hmm. I'm saying yeah. that it is weird because the church has made the church weird, but Jesus has never been weird. He's mm -hmm. completely been 100, which is why the people flocked to him. And that's why he had crowds and multitudes because the thing that was happening was so far past what was happening in the temple. They didn't go to the temple and gathered. They were meeting Jesus where mm -hmm. he was at because that was what was, they They saw through all the religiosity. They saw through, if that's a word, they saw through all the stuff that wasn't important. It was like, this is so much more important. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Miracles were happening. Guess what? People's needs were being met. Mm -hmm. Guess what? God was doing something right there outside mm -hmm. of the temple walls. And that was okay. Absolutely. And I agree. And I agree with you. I just, and I, that's what I'm saying that these are the conversations, right. Right. That are happening outside of those walls. Yeah. And so when we're talking about going out and when we're talking about meeting the people where they're at, right. It's having those conversations. It, these are the principles and, and, 
I care more about you than I care about being right in this moment. I care more about you right. than I do about, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever, I, whatever I'm looking like or sounding like or whatever it is that we, we do. And I would say, too, if you're at a place where you've experienced hurt from the church, which we yeah. both have, right? Yeah. We're still here, you know, because yeah, yeah. we choose to be. Um, there's people in every organization, right? And I know that I just, I say this because there's been, again, so much hurt um, from people within the church, but it's, it is going back to, well, who's, who is Jesus? And finding those coaches in your life yeah. that you can trust and, and be real with and yeah. raw with and, and have those conversations of, I'm, angry. I'm mm -hmm. this, I'm that. And, and finding those people because in those moments is where you'll see that there are good people too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, they're not all bad. There, I, I would, and, and that, and that's a danger of this conversation because my, yeah. my thing now, um, being, being a church, um, I don't even know what my, I, everyone asks me what my title you're just is. Gonna say you're a leader. Yeah. I would say you're leading. Of, yeah. Um, is, you know, my whole thing is that the church is the safe place for people to come and learn and that I want to create an environment for people that come into the church, that it's a place where we can have these open talks and conversations and learn with one another and continue to grow. But as we grow, not just grow for this, for the, the idea of being more self-righteous and, um, having all these spiritual accolades and it's like, I did all this stuff. And it's like, no, to grow together so that we can continue to meet the needs mm -hmm. outside of what's happening here. Yeah. That is so huge. And so um, for me, church is not weird um, because I, I have grown to understand what it is. Um, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get weird people and mean people. Mm -hmm. that's right. We can't yeah. stop those no, because everybody comes in with yeah. a different story and you're going to get that. Um, and that's okay. And you, and those people, you, you learn to grow with those people. You learn to, you learn something new for the, from those things and nothing, like I said earlier in the podcast, when it's easy, you don't necessarily grow. Comfort comfort is funny because we get into a place where we get really, really comfortable and we, we kind of go on cruise control. And in those moments is where you kind of stop growing. It's like, it's like a really dangerous place to be because that comfort is like, oh, I'm good. I've made it. I've arrived. And when you get to that place where you've arrived and you, and you stop having resistance, when you stop um, having things that are hard in your life, that's when you kind of stop growing. So hard isn't bad. Like hard is good. Like hard is really good. And mm -hmm. resistance is really good because those are the times and moments that you are going to find yourself having to overcome and grow in those things. So things, it, nothing should be easy and, and nothing's a straight path. You're going to have all these things happen and there's going to be all these turns and all these things, but all that stuff will as you persevere, as you go through something, you're going to come out the other end, again, taking the coaching, taking the the self-awareness in mind, you'll come out a better person. And I truly believe that. I, I mean, and when I say a better person, it's not, I'm not saying like, oh, you're for the, it's, you're going to be a better person for the people around you, better dad, better mom, mm -hmm. better teacher, better um, nurse, better, um, you know, neighbor, better, whatever you are, right. You're going to be a better person to the people around you. And that's, and that's huge. And that's, man, at the end of the day, that's what, what more can you ask for just to be the best version of yourself, just loving people that are in your everyday life. Yeah. And I think that that's who you are. Right. And I think that, I think that that, that is who you want to be as a leader, right? That's the, that's what you're stretching your arms out to say, you know, Vince, 
you're in the middle of wherever you're at point oh and you're going to continue to transition for the rest of your life right and i think though that that and that's where if we're all willing to get to that point and realize i didn't know what i know you know 10 years ago right and it wasn't like you said earlier, a fail, it was who you were at that time and where you needed to be at right. that time. And you grew and you learned and you, and you came to this place to where you're now able to show up for your people and these people that you're around in a different way that you wouldn't have been had you not stretched and grown. 100%. You know? and, I, and I'm still going to make mistakes. And, and that's the beauty part. Like, I, I don't have it all figured out. I'm still, I'm at a place where I'm like, I'm not, I'm figured out. So somebody... Um, that I, that means a lot to me, um, called me a novice this week and, um, I was just like a novice. Okay. Like, um, th- that's okay. Like I can say like, I'm a novice at this and I, it's one of those moments where you're like, but I want to be really good at this, you know? And, um, and I had to stop and I took all the good from that. And I said, instead of being like, you know, how dare they call me a novice or whatever the case may be. I was like, I'm a rookie. Mm-hmm. at this yeah because novice to me was like ah but i couldn't accept a rookie and the reason why i can accept a rookie um is again going back to my sports knowledge i'm just in full sports mode so i sorry for all the non-sports people tom hollenbeck by the way is gonna hate in this podcast if, <laughs> nah. he, if, he's not a sports guy but um these are all universal but you, can be a, you can be a rookie in anything by the way but a rookie going into their go we'll use basketball um because we're in basketball season a rookie comes in and has been drafted and they're they they were drafted from the best break the bet wherever you got you might be the first round draft but you're a rookie nonetheless meaning you haven't played in a game so you have no idea what it's like to play in an nba game so then you get into your season and you get 20 games in you might even be so good they're calling you you might be the rookie of the year right and so you can get to a place where you're like i got this figured out i can own this right then the playoffs come well you've never been there before Right. And what you see a lot is rookies who like have it all figured out in the beginning of the season start collapsing under the pressure of the playoffs. Yeah. Game sevens, um, doing things they normally wouldn't do in regular season because they had never experienced it, had never been there. And being a rookie is a good thing because you have to get there to learn. And there's going to be times in your life where if you have that rookie mindset, you will be okay with the growth process and you'll be okay with um, not always winning and you'll be okay with not knowing or not always being there because you know that if once you get there, then you'll know, then you'll understand the, you'll understand the hurt of people. You'll understand how it works, but it isn't until you get there or how it works or when it goes wrong that you just don't know. And so, and that's okay. Like being a rookie is almost the best place to be because you have an opportunity to learn um, in, in those moments that a hundred people before you have been that you just haven't been in. And now you have the opportunity to gain the knowledge of what was there, but then progress and then get better at yeah. the thing. And, and that is a huge mindset. And so I would definitely just keep in that rookie mindset of just like, you're hungry, you're after it, you want it, but being okay that with the losses and then celebrate the wins. Because as a rookie, you're gonna win your first game, and it's gonna be exciting. And and build upon the build upon. You know, um, there's very few people that start off their rookie year that are amazing, right? Like they end up in baseball. It's even worse. They go they go to like they go to the minor leagues right before they're able to even get pulled up. So be okay with the wins. Be okay with the growth process, and know that all that thing is leading you 
to the moments that are going to matter that are important. And that could be you just having a moment with your son or daughter later on in life that is like, man, nothing prepped me for this. Or maybe holding somebody's hand on bedside when they're dying, or maybe having to, you know, have, um, helps a, a coworker with the hard time, like all these things like are going to play into that. And so it's really, really important to hold on not only to the wins, but learn from those, from those hard things. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that that's kind of something that we'll take from this podcast, because I think that this whole conversation has been about growth and, and learning and the ability to, I guess being humble or learning humility is a skill set and, and having, and it's not something that I think that it just comes naturally. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I think that we're constantly combating pride. Mm -hmm. And if we're not taking that to the Lord and consistently saying, God, like what areas am I falling short or, or having that mindset that you don't know it all. Yeah. Right. Because it sounds like, that person was saying that there's an area that you might be able to to grow in, right? For whatever reason, that 100%. conversation. Yeah. And in that moment, it's like, oh, that's like a gut punch. But then it's like, okay, yeah, I've never been here. Yeah. And if we're growing like we hope we are and we're moving forward, well, it's it, like you said, it's all the stages of life. Or, yeah. You know, Justin and I are going on 10 years. Hopefully one day we'll be at 20 and 30 you will. and 40, yeah, right? Yeah, you'll get there, yeah. And it's like, well, I've never been a wife at 10 years. Right. I've never been a wife who we haven't had a baby at 10 years or I've never been a, a wife and a counselor and this and going we've never done IVF before. Right. Right. There, right. Yeah. I've never. Oh, so yeah. we're even with that, we're having to ask all these people questions and humbling ourselves and saying, we don't know. We don't right. know anything about this. And then hopefully one day we're going to be parents and I'm going to come to you and say, Vince, I don't know what to do with this <laughs> yeah. kid. Right. I think you guys will be, I think you'll be completely fine. I love that you brought marriage into this too, because that is also another area where a lot of humility comes into play and a lot of just saying, I don't know, we haven't been here to, to go, but advent, we did, we had a chance to do this marriage retreat um, with uh, VBF church um, with a lot of churches in Las Vegas this last year. And I talked about having a compass and letting your compass just kind of help you guys navigate. And one of the things that I said was on that compass um, was the ability to be okay when it isn't okay and to be able to um, also have a a root or foundation to come back on that know that you're again going back to the winds that you know like, hey, we haven't been here, but we but we made it here and that's a win. And to be able to continue to work together to get to the place that you're going, right? Or the thing that you're doing. Um, and that's huge. But also the takeaway of marriage is, um, and this is that I wasn't the husband I was at year one. I thought, again, again, being young, I was like, I'll, I'm, I got this on lockdown. I know what a husband is. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I didn't. And, um, and now going into year 20, you know, you're... You, I'm not, I'm smart enough to go like, I'm still learning. Like we're, Hannah and I are growing exponentially together and we will continue to challenge each other. Um, but we also are at a place where, um, where we have grown so much that what's happening now is we're able to pour into other people in a way that we weren't able to. And that, that is so huge for us because going back to, like I said, year one or even year 10, I was like, Oh man, like we, we weren't 
we were good. We were, we weren't like on divorce, or, but we weren't like, we didn't have all this stuff that we have now, but it kept for her to be able, like there was a time Justin loved, loved this where I just like playing video games a lot for whatever. And it was kind of selfish, I guess. I like not, you know, like going back to a long. And so I would play and she'd have the baby and she's like, are you gonna stop playing? And Justin actually be over the house. He's single all the time. And he's like, oh, we're just playing till one o'clock in the morning. And I just was like, this is normal. And, um, and it took a while for me to go like, oh yeah, like this isn't making Hannah happy. And so like, I have to adjust, like, I can't just keep doing the thing we did pre-kids and, um, you know, but again, having the self-awareness, the humility, the, the letting, not letting pride kick in, like it's my way or whatever, I'm going to do what I want. Um, you have to let all that stuff yeah. go. So. Well, I love you, Vince. And I, I feel too. like we could be talking for days and I, I probably want to have you on here again because there's, oh, uh, there's so many other places I wanted to take this, but I will talk to you soon. Maybe. <laughs>